The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrato. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I'd just like to say, get a life. So for me, for my mother, my grandmother, my father, my uncle, and for the common good, I must now kill you and your brother. Geek Counter Geek number 78. I'm Keith Conrad, joined as always by Elliot Serrano. You can follow me at Keith R. Conrad on Twitter. You can follow Elliot at Elliot Serrano on Twitter. Uh, Elliot, how you doing this week? Wow. Has it, has it been a holiday or what? Or what? In every sense of the word, it's been a holiday, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's sort of like, you know, there, a lot has gone on in 2016. Some good, you know, the Cubs won the World Series, some not so good, pretty much everything else. Uh, it's like 20, 2016 went down swinging, taking everybody. I mean, even Father Mulcahy couldn't make it. You know, I was shocked that he was as young as he was. First of all, I was a little, I was a little surprised that that he was he was still with us because I hadn't heard anything about him for for quite some time. But uh, considering the fact that he was eighty four, and you you think, uh, okay, Mash was just before I was born, so he was probably fifty ish when the show went off the air. And yeah. I always thought of Father Mulcahy as being, you know, kind of like an elderly statesman on the show. So I was really surprised to hear that he was he was only 84. I'm just glad that Alan Alda was spared because that would have been too much for me. I, I just I would have been like, no, no. And I'm, I, mean, I mean, while everybody else is rallying around Betty White, you know, I'm thinking, oh, you know, there's so please, please not Stan Lee because, you know. Stan Lee, he knows, he knows his days are numbered. He you know, I was, I was thinking about Stan Lee the other day because uh, uh, somebody had mentioned him as like a potential, uh, you know, the next big celebrity death, you know, really impactful pop culture uh, icon. And I, I, you know, Stan Lee's, you know, he, he's, he's not as young as he used to be, obviously. So, I mean, that's not... You know, it wouldn't be a, a total shock or anything, but he's, you know, he seems to be completely, uh, you know, seems to be uh, completely fine, you know, never heard of any problems. But um, do you think that because Stanley is getting up there a little bit and they know what Marvel movies they're going to be making, that they've already filmed cameos for him for the next, you know, 10 movies? <laughs> I, I hear that they did. I hear that he did film cameos for, I, I like three, four, five cameos for the next bunch of movies. I mean, you can essentially make him kind of, you know, like Stanley as a as a gas station attendant, Stanley as you know the guy at the convenience store. That that way, you can just keep him going, you know, for a while. Yeah, because he never, you know, he he he's always a, a background player in those scenes. You know, he's never really. You know, he's not in necessarily interacting with Thor or anything like that. So you really could just have him film uh, something that you know will fit into the story, 
and uh, you know, just just knock them all out at once, so that we've got Stanley for the rest of eternity. And of course, you know, after Rogue One, we know now that you can just go ahead and uh, and keep bringing them back anyway. Oh yeah, just have them record lots and lots of dialogue that you can then later on loop onto a, a, a CGI'd Stanley. You know, if if people can record to be, uh, you know, record messages to be your your Tom Tom voice. I think we can we, we, we can record uh, cameos for Stanley. Uh, you know, vo- voice acting has has progressed to that point. I think. Yeah, and he's done he, and he's done a lot of dialogue too in all these different movies and radio spots and all that. You know, it, again, technology as it is makes it possible to keep people you know, at least their images alive indefinitely. But I, isn't that kind? Of, I wonder if that'll ever happen where that becomes actually part of the deal when you sign on to do a franchise, you know, because obviously probably the the most high profile, you know, death that we had in the middle of a franchise recently was uh, um, Robert Harris in, uh, you know, the Harry Potter movies because he was the original, um, not, not Robert Harris, Richard Harris. Richard Harris, right. Richard Harris. See, I, I know it started with an R. Um, R- Richard Harris, Harris, of course, the 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 writer of Black Sunday and all the Hannibal Lecter books. But right. Sorry, yeah. See, see, because I, I I knew the name from somewhere. It just it just wasn't uh, the just wasn't the uh, the uh, Richard Harris was Scottish, wasn't he? I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, just wasn't the great Scottish actor Richard Harris. Uh, anyway, so he died after the first couple of Harry Potter movies, and um, you know, it, which it's kind of interesting that he would take that on anyway, knowing that it was going to be as many movies as it was, and he wasn't in in you know he wasn't exactly he wasn't exactly Stan Lee you know running around uh, you know <laughs> with no problems he he had some health issues so it's kind of surprising that he agreed to sign on you know it's one thing for david radcliffe to sign on for as many movies as he did you know he he, he was young enough he had a pretty good bet he was going to be around <laughs> it's funny i just um i just watched harry potter and the sorcerer's stone again after goodness knows how long it was um I went to Milwaukee to see the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra do the music of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Richard Harris brings a completely different um, energy and, I guess, gravitas to to the role of Dumbledore. That you know, I mean, when, when you switch over to Michael Gambon, it is it's very different, and 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 it just he also felt way younger. I mean, Richard Harris had this old soul feel about him, which so that's why they, they yeah, which I'm I'm not. Uh... You know, I, I I was somebody who actually didn't read the books, but I went and saw the movies just because they were, you know, sort of the pop culture thing at the time. Um, so I'm not sure which would be closer to the book version of Dumbledore. Uh, I, I know Dumbledore was supposed to be very old, so, you know, you could make an argument for either one. You've been around for a while, seen a lot of things, you know. Yeah, as we're uh, as we're learning from uh, you know the Fantastic Beasts story, since you know he's he's uh, you know that whole that whole story arc is going to end at the end of World War II. So as you said, he was around for a while. It's kind of like when Michael Gambon came in to do the role. It's sort of like when um, in Episode One, the Phantom Menace, 
Um, if you see the original version, there's the original Muppet version of Yoda. They have a Muppet Yoda. <laughs> yes. and he has a lot more hair on his head, you know? Yeah, because, you know, it's uh, supposed to be younger Yoda. Yeah, it's like, you know, 30 years earlier or something like that. So, of course, he has more hair on his head. <laughs> even though even though he's 900 years old. So, 30 years, that's like a week. <laughs> In 770 years, you reach Lucas could you will not. And broken. But, um, <laughs> and then they would they would switch out that Yoda for a CGI Yoda later on because Lucas couldn't leave well enough alone. He he really uh, never can. Nope. So but, you know I, it's funny that yeah the, the the whole thing about characters and aging and it's and 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 mortality and death that's just been so prevalent on the American consciousness this past uh, year. You know, and we just keep getting slapped in the forehead with it over and over again. Yeah. You know, um, I, you know, you, you kind of hate to compare, but I wonder if, um, you know, I, I, I tend to look at statistics and I wonder if, if 2016 was actually a worse year for, you know, celebrity and pop culture deaths, or if it just seemed that way because we were so angry about everything else. <laughs> Well, 2015 was pretty bad, too. I mean, it's, you know, there were quite a few celebrity deaths then, too. And, I'm, and, and well, let's be honest, 2016, it's, it's the boomer, gener the, you know, the baby boom generation is finally starting to, you know, pass on. I mean, we're going we're gonna to start seeing that. I mean, yes, there were a couple deaths that were a bit unexpected because they were, you know, younger than we expected. Of course, Prince was utter, uh, completely unexpected. Um, uh, the, the things like with David Bowie it should have been expected because of his health issues. He was um, fighting cancer, but, you know, kept very private. So his ultimate passing took folks by surprise. But, you know, the, the, but it's again, you're, we're talking about folks who were like in their 80s and, you know, 80s and 90s finally passing on. And it was it should have been expected um, with with the exception, again, of those folks that we thought we lost too soon. Yeah, and uh, by the way, did you see somebody uh, somebody started a GoFundMe page to protect uh, Betty White from 2016? <laughs> Here's my question. What were you going to do? I mean, I I'm telling you, it, I, you ever see the movie A Final Destination? I have, and I've also seen the, the Twilight Zone episode 22, which is very similar, at least to the beginning. Right. So when, when death is coming for you, it doesn't matter. It's, he's getting you somewhere. I mean, he's getting you. It doesn't matter. You know, so. Um, and again, I, I have a feeling 2017 is going to call, you know, be calling some big names home as well. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a pretty good bet that that'll be the case. Um, boy, this uh, this episode is is turning into kind of a downer. <laughs> I was going to say, this is probably the most depressing start to a geek counter geek that we've had ever it's the, the depressing issue <laughs> the death wow. issue the death issue well hey but there's like you know what we'll do is we're going to do like the death of superman we're going to take this episode we're going to seal it in in a black pla uh, mylar bag with a geek counter geek logo on it you know? and and of course you know if uh, this episode is a bit too much of a downer for you there's plenty other podcasts on the radio misfits podcast network that probably aren't about death well i mean the minutia men 
um, you, you know, I think the I think the minutia, minutia men might have done uh, some stuff on uh, on uh, on the the deaths of 2016 as well. So uh, you know, maybe maybe that's not the case. I I think uh, I think on a quest was doing. Uh, uh, Jill was talking to a uh, a. a a a scientist about supernatural things and you know trying to debunk them a little bit or at least see if they could so that that's kind of about death but in in a different way um i i you know i'm not sure if there's a if there's a brand new episode of the uh the vintage space podcast that's probably not going to be about death the dishing bitches could have done an episode on the death of Mariah Carey's career after her New Year's Eve performance. Yeah, that that really was. I mean, I, I know we were all sort of, uh, you know, we were all sort of sort of waiting for the last shoe to drop in 2016. I think uh, Mariah Carey, that was the final victim of 2016. And, and Ronda Rousey. I think it was like a one-two, yeah. boom, boom. You know? Well, you know, Mariah Carey, she just kind of brushed it off. Ronda Rousey, I, I think she's going to have a harder time with that. Be, because <laughs> oh, because she was saying she was having a hard time with the previous loss. And then to, you know, work and, and try to come back and end and even worse. Um, you know, that, that, that's probably not going not gonna to go too well for her. But... You know, if you can find a cheerful podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, you know, you want them to sound as uh, as great as they can. So, uh, you know, we, we here, of course, would recommend that you go to tweakedaudio.com to uh, pick up some headphones. They have eight colors and styles available, mic'd, non-mic'd versions, you know, in case you're into gaming and you need to be able to talk to people at the same time. Uh, they can sound great for music or talk, you know, one of the many podcasts about death. Uh, they have noise-reducing uh, designs. Just go to tweakedaudio.com. Use the discount code GCG at checkout. You get 33% off and free worldwide shipping. You can't, uh, can't beat that. And all just for listening to Geek Counter Geek. And you can hear us opine on the death of all our idols in each ear. <sighs> yeah. Um... You know, so uh, it, it's funny because now uh, Rogue One's been out for a while. It was uh, it was number one the the weekend of of New Year's as well. So I think that's uh, it's three straight weeks number one, I believe. Yep. Uh, that's that's nothing to sneeze at. I'm not sure uh, how long uh, how long uh, the Force Awakens was was number one, but I, I would imagine it was it was up there for quite some time. It did a little better. Force Awakens um, uh, I got a little ahead of um, Rogue One because it, it broke the billion mark fairly quickly as far as worldwide. Rogue One is, I want to say, over 330 million worldwide over how many weekends now? Yeah. Which is not in the sneeze act. And you know the Disney folk, Disney is very happy about it. Yeah, I mean, when you consider it, you know, not, not necessarily comparing it to... Uh, you know, The Force Awakens or the other, you know, saga movies, but as the launch of the first standalone Star Wars movie, I think it shows that there's a market for that, and, you know, Disney has another way to make money. Yes, because that's what they need. And, and we were all worried about that. I know, I was really, it was like for a while there, it's like, oh, goodness, how is how is Disney going to do anything? You know, those 
They're, 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 how many? I mean, they're 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 reduced to making sequels to Cars and Frozen, and now doing live action versions of all of their animated shows or animated right. movies. Right. You have a Emma Watson in a live Beauty and the Beast. Emma Watson singing. Even I, I heard her. She's actually not bad. Uh, speaking of the uh, Star Wars standalone movies, uh, Woody Harrelson has been cast as uh, apparently Han Solo's mentor. So I'm guessing that he's uh, one of the surviving victors of a previous Kessel run. <laughs> and he's drunk all Hamish. the time. Just make him Hamish. Just bring Hamish over. You know, it's called Synergy. It's called Brand. <laughs> yeah, Hamish sounds brand. like he could be a Star Wars character. Yeah. And uh, from what I understand, uh, that um, a Christian Bale would he's, was even considered. Um, as the um, could have been the mentor before going to Woody Woody Harrelson because he did so well at, he did so well with John Connor so let's put him in another franchise right yeah and then but then you had I mean think about it Liam Neeson um, was the uh, mentor for Obi Wan Kenobi in the Star Wars films as he was for Batman in um, Batman Begins oh that's true you know, yeah so then you it would have been Christian Bale now getting to play the mentor role for um you know um uh, a young han solo heck if you just want to go back in time um and even have christian bale play uh, uh qui-gon jinn's you know jedi master when qui-gon jinn was a, a a young padawan so everything could come full circle that's probably why it didn't happen because christian bale is probably just in denial that he could be somebody's mentor <laughs> like he's like I, i'm not old enough to be a mentor what are you talking about the thing you do not want to do is uh, cross his line of sight on set when he's in the middle of the scene. Then <laughs> no. Then melt down on you. No, you, you, you definitely don't want to do that. Um, that, that, uh, that will live in infamy with uh, Bill O'Reilly's We'll Do It Live. We'll do and it live! <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give Bill O'Reilly some credit. I mean... It, True. It, 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 between that and Casey Kasem, you know, kind of going off the rails about reading about a dead dog. Um, you know, that, that's and, probably one of the most famous ones. But uh, the the one that doesn't get enough love, in my opinion, is uh, Orson Welles doing uh, the, the Frozen Peas commercial. I, I know the, the Animaniacs did that. a reenactment of that, but it's, yep. it's still it, it doesn't get quite the love that it, it should. I. The, you're absolutely right. I I'm, I went and I went to uh, YouTube to look them up, and that is brilliant, brilliant stuff. Because you know, like, like uh, you know, Casey Kasem, he's just angry, and and you don't know what what happened in the in the recording after that. So maybe it, it, there's as much of an epic ending, but in the Orson Welles clip, he actually just gives up and walks out. He walks out because this is all we need. That's it. It's done. Boom. Yeah. And he's done. Uh, yeah. So, so you know, I, I, I know, uh, I know, I know among like uh, voice actors and and stuff, you know, especially Maurice Lamarche. I mean, he uh, he he really brought it back. Uh, but that oh, that yeah. that gets a lot of love among voice actors. But I think among the the general public, it doesn't get quite the love that it should. You definitely need to see the clips on um on um, on YouTube of them doing the or, the ode to Orson Welles. Yeah, you know, an animaniacs. 
so you know now that uh, Rogue One has been around for a while, uh, you have both uh, people who are fans of the movie who have found things that maybe you know maybe they're not so much a fan of, and it's been out long enough that the people who were against it from the beginning have decided that they're now going to uh, you know publicly talk about how they were against it from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Then the the fifteen percent on um on uh, Rotten Tomatoes are, are they're making their voices heard right now, right? <laughs> and it, and it's funny because I work with somebody who he refused to. St- and you're you're just your your mind is going to be blown by this. He refused to see Rogue One because the cast was too diverse. So he thought that was too politically correct. Didn't want to support it because of that. Uh, then his his wife dragged him along to to go see it, and he basically just said, "Yeah, it backed up everything I said about it." Well, you know, I mean, there's a talking about the diversity of the cast. Well, well, here, here's here's my response to the diversity thing, and and I I told him this as well. They're, it's a galaxy far, far away. They're not actually the the ethnicity that you think they are. <laughs> right. You know, you have your Alderanians and your Tatooians and your Must. Your Mustafarians, Mustafarians, <laughs> Mustafarians. Um, uh, the thing that I mean, for me, after seeing the movie, and we 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 have reviewed the film on on, on Geek Counter Geek, but um, it, it's like a thing that's kind of a, kept sitting with me, and you know, I kept the movie. Okay, the movie is entertaining for what it is. It's a a shoot 'em up, blow 'em up. You know, again, video games, you know, Disney ride kind of movie. It gives but, you the three minutes of Darth Vader that you've wanted your whole life. Yeah, and you really wanted more than that, but fine. And, and by the way, spe- speaking of Vader, uh, not to completely interrupt your train of thought, but, um, you know, at, at one point in the run-up to when Rogue One was coming out, we were told, and I don't, I can't remember if this was actually officially said or if it was just fans speculating, but at one point, the, you know, they, they were saying that uh, it was going to in some way explain why Darth Vader was such a slowpoke with the lightsaber in A, in a New Hope, you know, why, why uh, his skills had diminished so much between when we last saw him in Revenge of the Sith and, um, uh, you know, when he's fighting Obi-Wan again in A New Hope. And considering the fact that this movie ends like five minutes before A New Hope begins, it seems like they just like shined a, a, a spotlight on that on that issue rather than actually resolving it. Yeah, they made him look pretty impressive, all things considered. And even even Lucas himself would say that, you know, the reason the lightsaber battle in A New Hope wasn't that impressive is because it was an old man versus a guy who was half machine. So it wouldn't be that impressive. And if you look at the lightsaber battle between Vader and Luke in Empire, that one's not the most impressive fight. And then you get to the very last one, which is probably the least impressive out of all of them, because it's just a lot of hacking and swinging at each other. You know, so, you know, compared to the prequel movies, um, and oh, I remember how the for the longest time they thought Hayden Christensen was going to come back and be Darth Vader, and then we found out that there were two different actors 
who portrayed Vader in um in Rogue One. Yeah, I mean, considering the fact that he's he's in the suit, there, there was no reason for Hayden Christensen to come back other than the novelty of it. The novelty of it, right? And um, the um, oh, another thing that's come out, um, they've just started talking about the number of reshoots and how much footage uh, was done to change the film, you know, to, for the film, and that even the ending is completely different than what was originally shot. Well, I know that uh, uh, Gareth Edwards had said that uh, the original script that that they had turned in. Uh, actually had all the characters surviving because they just assumed it was a Disney movie and that's what Disney wanted. And then they were, uh, you know, Kathleen Kennedy was like, uh, why is everybody still alive? Yeah, they should all be dead. But, um, you know, eh. I, 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 to me, back to the issue about the cast and the diversity, which it was, they were a diverse cast for what they were, but. They're also, you know, I'm afraid they were incredibly two-dimensional, and they were just doing things for the purposes of the plot, and and yeah, boom, boom, shoot 'em up, shoot 'em up, and no, to me, in the end, it, it just all the dying happened kind of senselessly. But hey, that's war, right? That's what everyone kept saying to me. It's a war movie. It, it, it's a war, but I I still keep coming back to the fact that I think the the story would have been better served if they instead of introducing this backstory of you know Jin's father having designed the death star and she's trying to find him if she would have just been a a big wig in the rebellion that we hadn't heard of and it sort of starts from there you know i i think you'd end up caring about her a lot more you know if you if you didn't have to spend all that time introducing that backstory and you just sort of started with a meeting you know, uh, around the big glowing table talking about, you know, this Death Star that we've been hearing about and we need to, you know, we need to find the plans. Um, you know, for one thing, it demonstrates that the the rebellion is not just Luke and Leia, that there are other people that are accomplishing things in the rebellion. And I, ju- I just think it, it would have worked out a lot better because, you know, you, you, you could have... You could have spent, you know, I, I think the char- you would have cared about the characters a little bit more because you weren't having to learn all the backstory on them. And for the love of Jeebus, could they have just thrown in a couple Bothans so then later on people would stop doing the damn hot takes about the Bothans and then the nerds could stop saying, guys, it wasn't that Death Star, that was the, Jedi, the Death Star from Jedi. Can we just shut up about the Bothans? <laughs> yeah you know i assume that uh you know so so now we've done rogue one we've got the han solo movie coming up uh you know maybe there's going to be a boba fett movie maybe there's going to be an obi-wan kenobi movie at some point there's just going to be the bothans a star wars story that that's 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 going to be like the the fourth or fifth one down the line just the bothans no it'll be meet the bothans Meet the Bothans. There you go. The Bothans. They're bigger than Jesus. Would they be not um, not on Abbey Road? Uh, you know what? That that moment that 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 moment escaped me. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Um. Yeah. So I, you know, 
there's definitely valid criticisms of the movie you know like like i said with the with the the ethnicity thing uh, you know like like i like i said they're they're not the ethnicity that they're that they are in real life anyway because it's a galaxy far far away so you know to to me that that wasn't even something that that entered into my mind until you know until he brought it up you know, I, I wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking. Oh, there's the Asian character. Oh, there's the you know the Hispanic character. You know, it didn't even wasn't it wasn't even something that registered. I, I I was thinking more, especially as I was watching the movie. Wait, who's that guy again? You know, you know, it 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 was one of those things where you know, if I'm watching a new TV series, um, I know I'm not going to uh, be a huge fan of it. If I'm about two episodes in and I can't remember anybody's name, and it was sort of the same thing, where you know we're we're through this movie, they're as they're dying, I, I'm not sure who I'm looking at. On top of that, I was like, there was no quotable dialogue. There's one phrase that's come out of it that people keep repeating over and over again. You know, I am one the I am one with the force. The force is with me. Don't repeat that. Don't don't keep saying that. That means you're gonna die. It's just like in a horror movie. If you say "I'll be right back," you don't come back. <laughs> you know? So don't say that. You say "I am one with the force." The force is with me. It means you're gonna be one with the force in just a few minutes. So. <laughs> Rogue yeah. One was essentially 2016. <laughs> It, it, it was it was a good microcosm of 2016. Every you know, I, everybody everybody you you kind of got to know but didn't died. And in the end, it just seemed like a pointless exercise. Yeah, but, you know, until we see how 2017 resolves itself. There's supposed to be hope, though. Hope right. at the end. Uh, speaking of, uh, of hope at the end, uh, you know, one of the people that we uh, we lost very unexpectedly was uh, was Carrie Fisher, who did show up at the end of uh, of uh, Rogue One. And, um, you know, I I really had a bad feeling about it because, you know, when they were reporting that, that she had a heart attack on the air on, on the airplane. Uh, one of the other passengers had said something about her not breathing for 10 minutes. And that's not something you walk off. But, you know, considering the fact that all that happened within a couple days, that that was probably, you know, among the celebrity deaths, that was the one that was the most surprising. And I think at, at least, you know, for for me in my life, that was the one that uh, that hit the hardest. You know, uh, there's so many things that we're going to remember Carrie Fisher for. I know for me, um, and, and, and I'm somewhat ironic, um, I, while being a fan of hers from Star Wars, um, actually was more, initially more impressed by her in the Blues Brothers. And a lot of folks remember her as the jilted fiance of, of um, Jake Blues. Who was waiting in celibacy for him. Right, waiting in celibacy, and I'm like, okay. Um, and then later on, discovering what a brilliant writer she was. Um, I've I read postcards from the edge. Um, probably, you know, one of the. I mean, and I'm a guy, right? But postcards from the edge is definitely a a chick book, you could say. 
um, you know, written by a brilliant, smart woman about, a, you know, kind of like a, a autobiographical fiction about a young, you know, um, a young starlet in, 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 in Los Angeles, in California, dealing with a mother who's somewhat, you know, overbearing and so on. And, and, um, and just some, a lot of great quotable lines in that. And it would later be turned into a movie with um, Meryl Streep and Shirley MacLaine. But and then learning about Carrie Fisher's work as a script doctor and um, you know just polishing dialogue and everything that you know that people would bring to her, and just 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 a brilliant brilliant mind. Um, you know, to me, I mean, this is maybe just the writer in me. I was always more um, taken by Carrie Fisher the writer than I was the actress. Yeah, I, you know, maybe it's because uh, Carrie Fisher, the writer, was sort of always there, whereas, uh, you know, Carrie Fisher, the actress, she would, you know, um, you know, she obviously had had more parts uh, probably early to, you know, late 80s, uh, you know, not as many uh, later on, but she was always cranking out material. Mm-hmm. When Harry met Sally, I got I to tell you, I remember seeing her and when Harry met Sally and going, oh, my God, I'm in love with her. And Bruno, <laughs> Bruno Kirby, man, that lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, and uh, in the Burbs too, she she had a, a pretty small role in that, but she was uh, she was Tom Hanks' wife in the Burbs. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's something I don't know. You, you talk about when you look at Carrie Fisher and you look at her lineage and and just really how. How, how far back her family goes into, like, let's say, the golden age of Hollywood or the silver age of Hollywood. You know, we're, that's another, another thing that we're kind of we're losing right now. We're, that, that heritage, that legacy of all these characters, you know, how, how, much, how many of these names are still out there, you know, that we really remember, you know. We, uh, I guess like Michael Douglas, right? Yeah. Um, well, Kirk Douglas is still around. He just turned 100. Just turned a hundred, right? Twenty seventeen's coming for him. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but uh, it's you know again the people who we know from the you know just the history of, of entertainment having that that type of um, <clears throat> I hate to say, use the word pedigree because it makes it sound like you know <laughs> like like we're breeding pets, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's why I think that's one of the reasons why, uh, especially lately, people have really uh, gravitated towards Betty White, because she's somebody who, you know, you know, not even like the golden age of of television and movies, but, you know, going back even before that to to radio, you know, she's somebody who's, you know, she's not just, uh, you know, our you know, somebody our, our parents were watching, but somebody our grandparents were were watching and listening to. Yeah, and so like, who's who is there now that that we can think about that that harkens back? You know, who who will say, oh yeah, and the parents. I mean, I, I even think about all the current stars, you know, today, and you know, a lot of these, you know, you think about the current stars that 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 populate the the the, the landscape. I mean, they're they're what are they? A product of the Disney machine, right? Yeah, you know. Uh, you know, all these former Mickey Mouse Club members or folks that were on Disney shows. Um, that that they go on to other things. I mean, Shia LaBeouf, you know, and and, and even look, look at uh, Justin Timberlake, and then all these other ones that you know we see who are, um, you know, kind of being churned out 
by these, you know, media cores. Not saying it's any worse. I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, let's face it: the, stu- the movie studios of, of the, the age did the same thing. Yeah, they made stars of folks, you know, just like the modern stu- studios are doing. But it's not like it's that- not like Shirley Temple, uh, you know, can you know continued getting uh, roles when she was an adult. Right. Right. And did she have kids who went into into show business? Or? I I don't believe so. Yeah, like the the Lucy Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, none of their kids went into it. I mean, I know there was Desi Arnaz Jr. for a bit, but then he kind of like moved on. Um, yeah, and I and I was reading something uh, lately that uh, you know just just recently that um, uh, you know neither of their kids were uh, featured in I Love Lucy, and they both agreed that, that was that was for the best. I mean, they appreciated the fact that their parents didn't you know didn't drag them into it. Yeah, although but for the longest time, Desi Arnaz Jr. kept saying, I wasn't Little Ricky, you know. <laughs> right. kept assuming, yeah. They kept assuming he was Little Ricky when he wasn't, you know. So it's, I guess, you know, when you think about, um, there, was a, there was a lot going around on, um, on social media when, with people reflecting on the, the passing of Carrie Fisher. And you had one side of folks who were mourning, you know, and, and, and I think um, I respect that, you know, it was deservedly so. Even people who never knew Carrie Fisher, who, who had never met them their entire lives. Although I have I had several friends who actually had met her at conventions and they were proud to show off the little photos that they took with her and, and talked about how amiable and how great and funny and, and charming she was. But even folks who had never done that, who just knew her. For her, um, for her characters and all those things, who were saying, you know, that they felt a real sense of loss. And, and then the opposite of that, you had all these folks who were going, "How could you mourn the passing of someone that you never knew?" And and I think those folks kind of discount the, the the reality is that in many cases, you know, we can be touched by performances, we can be touched by an artist, we can be touched by um, you know, the, the presence that these folks had in our lives, even though we might not have known them personally. Yeah. And, you know, and especially I, I, if you're somebody who suffers from bipolar disorder, I mean, Carrie Fisher's, you know, she, she's definitely somebody that, that, that you'd look up to and would definitely have an impact on on your life. Yes. I mean, she was an advocate for, for mental health, for people educating themselves. You know, she, there's this brilliant, um, there's this meme going around about this brilliant way that she explains to a young boy about what it's like to have bipolar disorder. You know, and she explains it in a way where, you know, a young child can, ex- you know, can understand it. So having losing someone like that, you know, is a tremendous loss. And it, of course, it's going to it's going to hurt, um, you know, people who especially, um, you know, cared for those causes. So it, it, to me, I, I know it really hit me. I, I guess I really decided that I wasn't going to, um, I wasn't going to mask the way I felt about losing celebrities. You know, after a while, I mean, you, the one that did it for me, I remember, was Phil Hartman. You know, when Phil Hartman was suddenly taken away, you know, that very tragic circumstance right. and how he died. And but I remember going, wow. You know what? I never knew Phil Hartman. I never knew him personally. But hearing his death, I mean, I felt a sincere a sadness about it, going, goodness, you know, he was someone I'd seen so much, I admired so much, I loved his comedy, I loved what he did, whether it was a Saturday Night Live, 
his voiceovers on The Simpsons, you know, that long run he did on news radio, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that show that I love so much. And, you know, when, when, when I learned that, you know, he had been taken from us that, you know, wow. And then after that, you know, um, well, and, and it's one thing with, um, you know, with, uh, with Carrie Fisher, you know, she died of a heart attack, which, you know, it, it obviously affects so many people of all walks of life, uh, you know, a- every year. And, you know, it, even though it, it came out of nowhere, at least it was something, you know, it, it was something natural, you know, it, that the Phil Hartman thing, I think that was so shocking because, you know, it, it, it wasn't, you know, it, no, it wasn't natural at all. Yeah. You're right. You know, and, 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 and again, and, but then Robin Williams was a, a case of depression. And we found out later on, he was suffering from other things that were really impairing his judgment and really led to extreme depression. And then, yeah. And then with Carrie Fisher, who, um, struggled with a lot of different issues. And, and, you know, if you read any of her books and her, her biographies where she talks about her treatment again for her bipolar disorder, I mean, she, she, undergo, she underwent electroshock therapy, you know, which is something extreme that, that she put herself through because she really needed, uh, you know, to, to get help. And then, you know, the, the other issues of the drug abuse and the things that the, 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 the paces that you put your body through when you're leading that kind of lifestyle it's just something that impacts people. And I think that if, when you see that, I mean, and you know about it, and I think in today's age when you pretty much know about everybody's, unfortunately, you can know a lot about a person's personal life and the things they've been through. And, and honestly, though, Carrie Fisher was very open about what she went through. So you couldn't help but think that you knew her. You couldn't help but think, you know, she's someone I want to look up to and emulate and I admire and of course, you can't help but mourn her when you lose her. She was drowned in moonlight, strangled <laughs> by her own bra. That that should uh, that should really be uh, really be the the end of her obituary. That's what she wanted. So, you know, in the end, uh, you know, we, we we appreciate these people while we have them. Never take them for granted. And um, always hold on to hope. Like Vin Scully said about his own retirement, don't cry because it's ending, just be happy that it happened. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. <laughs>